would please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 17. We are focusing on verse 14. We'll pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, as you have before us your holy writ, Father, may you give us eyes to see. May you give us ears to hear. May you give us hearts overwhelmed with joy, the joy of our salvation. Father, as we look at this man's heart, penned by the power of your spirit, Father, I pray that we who understand our salvation, understand we are in ministry, would understand the importance of our integrity. And Father, as the Apostle Paul here is showing the power of it, And defending his stance, now he defends the reason that he stands in defense of his integrity. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for placing us into your precious bride, your church. Father, thank you for sealing us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the privilege of serving the Most High God. To your praise and to your glory. Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you, but we are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer to those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves... It is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that we who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. We are looking at this, and in this section, basically beginning at the word therefore in verse 11 through this 17 verse He's giving the reasons why he is defending his integrity. If you ever look at the Apostle Paul's writing, you'll note that he never really defends himself. Uh, He's not worried about what people say, how he dresses, or he would have been horribly scarred because if you're stoned and left for dead, um, you've got dents. I mean, I don't know what else to call it. So he would not be what you would classify as Pleasing to the eye. Um, There was nothing in the Apostle Paul. He seems to be short uh, because they made fun of his stature. He never defends his stature. He doesn't defend his clothing. Uh, And and he says, even my most righteous deeds is minutia. I mean, it's it's nothing there. But what happens on a regular basis uh, is that... um, People will attack the integrity of a person who stands in truth. Okay? And 
if I can get people to doubt that man's integrity, then I can disqualify his ministry. Uh, I don't know if some of you have heard this, but this past week, uh, is it David Kincaid, the painter? Uh, he, Huh? Thomas, Thomas Kincaid has passed away. And um, he called himself a, a painter of light. And, and that's how he, he, he wanted his paintings to be the light in the darkness. And I find that fascinating because... He was a Christian, but all of a sudden now you're hearing all of these accusations. Uh, He had a girlfriend. I'm sorry. If you're single and you're a Christian, you're not allowed to have a girlfriend. But they're all of a sudden saying, you know, he, he was a drunk. He used to be. Yes, absolutely. He went to school in Berkeley. Hello. Okay, uh, I I don't understand. But now it's all of a sudden, let's completely discredit this man now that he's gone. Okay, and you know, he's and you know what? What I know of him, he wouldn't have defended himself anyway. I mean, I have people make those accusations. Uh, I had someone tell me one time that I had a flawed character. Duh, (laughs) you should have been with me. (laughs) Okay, if you don't have a flawed character, you don't need Jesus. Okay, I am a sinner saved by grace. And you know what? My sins are no greater or no lesser than humanity. All right. And and so I, 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 there's times that you hear this stuff and you're like, you guys know how I am. You just want to look them in the eye and say, have you not read? (laughs) So uh, that's becoming one of my favorite lines or for some reason that it seems to be in great need of. The Apostle Paul has laid out here in verse 11 that the defense of his integrity was first and foremost for the Lord. And we we looked at that in depth. Then we looked in verse 12 that it was also for the church. Um, And we looked at that in depth. Okay, but in verse 13, we looked at it that it is for the truth. Uh, we are besides ourselves that it is for God. And it literally means crazy out of my mind for God. But I will bring it under control so that you can tolerate my out of my mindness. Because it is truth and truth was compelling for the Apostle Paul. And we started in this a couple of weeks ago. It's for the Savior. Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Okay, it is not Paul's love for Christ that was causing him to do this. It was Christ's love for Paul that was the overwhelming fact in this. Remember he said, for the fear of the Lord we persuade people. Okay, that word fear there is, is, a, is a reverence on steroids. There's an awe that is there. Okay, and it's out of that it worship comes. Okay, a lot of what I hear today uh, has nothing to do with an awe for God. It has to do with an emotional stirring, um, which is you know is crazy, um, and 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 it's deceptive. When you start looking at the person of who God is, it's like what I love about the hymns. Listen to when you sing those and the theology that you are singing. 
I mean, you're getting a glance at who is God. A mighty fortress is our God. Okay? And, and you know, you just sit there and you go, whoa. Immortal, invisible. Okay? God only wise. All right? And, and today we don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, the last... Um, we just don't do the hymns anymore. We don't do the, the great theology uh you know and i i listened to the quote-unquote worship leaders tell me they said well the book of psalms is all songs i said then why don't you put some notes to it and let's sing those i don't need you to write me something let's sing what god has written okay and of course that's oh well <laughs> then you just smile at him and say have you not read no <laughs> Anyway, Christ's love so overwhelmed Paul that he came to this conclusion. All right? Because of this love, it controlled him. It it caused an action, a pressure that caused an action. He has concluded that one died for all, therefore all died. Okay? Who's the all? All right, we are getting ready to step into some eyeball deep theology. Okay, and I really suggest you keep up. All right, because um, who are the all? All right, he died for the world. Okay, Christ's death on the cross is for all who have or who will ever live. That is the unlimited part of the death of Christ. Okay? God so loved the... Doesn't say the elect. He so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Now stop right there, because that's where we always stop. Okay? So when you think about the crucifixion, you have to understand that His death on a cross was for... And we always miss this was for sin. Okay. Do you understand what that means? All of it. All of it. So in a general sense, when I think about one died for all, I can say emphatically. He died for humanity. But. If you read this text and you're honest to its context you will see that the Apostle Paul puts a qualifier. Brothers and sisters, we do not pay enough attention to the qualifiers. His qualifier here is the second part of the phrase. What does it say? Therefore, all died. Okay? One died for all, therefore, all died. Conclusion, the all that Jesus died for are the all who died. You see that? It is not one died for all because they were all dead. It is one died for all. 
they died. Okay, listen, that's very different. Listen, I want you to remember something. Biblically, all sinners are dead in trespass and sin. That is not what this text says. Okay, this is not a state. Okay, all sinners, anybody born of man and woman are dead in trespass and sin. That is the state of their existence. This text is an event. One died. Therefore, all died. The one died for the all and that all are the ones who died. Okay, he died for the all who died when he died. Everybody keeping up with it? Everybody like, yeah, you had it all figured out a minute ago. <laughs> Paul is saying he died for the all who died in him. And that can be the only interpretation of this text. Okay, any other interpretation of this text, you have just opened up something that you really don't want to stand in. If the all who died in him, it cannot be the whole of humanity. Okay, his death was efficient for all sin. But it was effective for those who died in him. You got that? Because we're going to move into some stuff that everybody's going to start saying, wait a minute. I'm just telling you, listen, you can argue with me, but do not think that I'm standing up here today and I'm not loaded for bear. Okay. And you can throw all of the what ifs you want, but you know what? I'm going to stand on truth, not what if. Okay? The whole human race did not die in Christ. Okay? If the whole human race died in Christ, then guess what? The whole human race is saved. Okay? And Paul is extraordinarily extraordinarily specific here. He says, the all are those who therefore died. Here is what I'm overwhelmed by, Paul is saying. Christ so loved me so much that the one Christ died for the all. And I was part of the all Who died in him. Okay. That overwhelmed Paul. That he would defend his integrity. And now listen. You got to understand something. He died for Paul. While still a sinner. Christ was bearing Paul's sins. And the same for those of you who are saved this day. Paul was astonished by that. You know one of the things that I've learned. The church has lost that astonishment. We are not astonished that Christ died for us. Remember? A substitution. He died in our place. Place. 
Okay, now listen, you've got to understand this text. You've got to understand this completely. This is crucial. God, Christ, provided a possible salvation. And I was smart enough to get it. Christ threw this salvation out and I happened to grab it. You know, I need a little credit. No, he died for our sin while we were still sinners. Okay, now you've got, this has become, you know, I whatever they want to call it. The L and tulip. Okay. Um, five points of Calvinism and L means limited atonement. All right. I don't know how you don't get limited out of this verse. Okay. Because the one died for the all who died in him. That is not all of humanity. His Work on the cross was large enough for all humanity. But Paul's pretty specific here. All of humanity doesn't get it. So I'm going to try to belabor this point. Because I watch some of us struggle at times. And I'm just going to give you what the Bible says. And then you can deal with it. Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Or do you not know... That all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Okay, the word baptized, immersed. What were we immersed in? His death. And Paul says, I really want you to get this. So he goes on with verse 4 and he says, Therefore, have been, have been, we have been buried with him through baptism into his death. So as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self has been crucified. Note that. Ends in an ED. You know what that means? Past tense. With him in order that the body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Listen, have you ever noticed dead bodies? Do you have how hard it is for a dead body to sin? You ever notice that? You can take a hat pin. Anybody know what a hat pin is? Okay, these used to be them big old pins that women tie the hat onto their heads. You can take a hat pin to a dead body and stick it right in the butt. And you know what? It won't even cuss you. Won't even flinch. Won't shake its fist at you. You can't make a dead body sin. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. You have been buried with him by baptism into his death. Now, I hate to break the news to you. That sounds awful specific to me. Even to the point, dare I say, limited to those who have entered into the baptism of his death. And we have been buried with him through his crucifixion so that we may walk in the 
newness of life. We are united with Christ in His death. We are united with Christ in His resurrection. We have joined with Christ in death and resurrection. Okay, now then, there is a requirement of being into Christ. Okay, believe and repent. But before you can believe and repent, atonement must be made for sin. And that has happened. Christ died as our substitution. Remember the Passover? Okay, why? Why do we call it Passover? So the angel of death, Passover. All right, he was our Passover lamb so that the angel of death would pass over. The penalty that was due sinful man will be passed over. He took our sin on the cross and therefore we died with him there. Okay, so there is a limiting aspect of the death of Christ. Okay. And the limits apply to the atonement, to the atoning work that Christ did is limited. And I, you know, people say, well, but, but, but no, read the fullness of John 316. Okay, because we, we, we read it and we says, well, it says here, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Read on that whoever should Believe in him should not perish. What happened? Uh-oh. The general sense with the atonement was for all. And then it gets limited to only those who believe. See, the atonement can only be the real substitution for those who died in Christ. All right. The work of the cross has mercy globally. Absolutely. But the atoning work of the cross is limited to those who believe and repent and have died in Christ. So the all. The all that he's speaking of is everyone who has died in Christ. The all is everyone who died in Christ. Everyone in whom Christ was the substitute. That Christ was the atonement. So, the L in tulip is real. Biblically, that's what the Bible is showing you. It isn't Terry trying to be a Calvinist. I have Calvin's commentaries. I can't find Tulip. Okay? He was a Bible expositor. He went through and says, Thus saith the Lord. Okay? And then somebody comes up and says, I think he's got Tulip in here. I don't know. I don't see no Tulip. Do I believe in limited atonement? I believe in limited atonement. Okay? But the work of the cross is unlimited. To all who would believe. And if you believe, then guess what you have to do? And it will be visible. 
you will be dead to self. Because like I said, it is hard to get a dead body to sin. And by the way, if anybody's questioning, I have not taken a corpse and poked it with a hat pin. <laughs> Everybody's like, Terry's doing some weird stuff out there, man. He goes, I want Mark this guy to jump up and sin. <laughs> Just want to clarify that. Christ, now listen, Christ is the Savior of the whole world. Okay? His work is able to save all who put their faith in him. Okay? All sinners can be called to repentance. There is not a sinner who cannot be called to repentance. I have some people in this church that I've been praying for, for not in this church. <laughs> Everybody's like, uh-oh, make, make sure this gets clear. Uh, there, there's some people in this church I've been praying for friends and family of theirs. Uh, in one case... Uh, Almost 12 years for their salvation. And, and uh, at times they get frustrated. And I said, as long as the person is alive, they can come to repentance. Once they're dead, it can't happen. And I don't know where that's at. I don't know what. To, there is a, definitely a limit on God's grace. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. Okay. That word woe means cursed. Jesus Christ was cursing those three cities. Okay, you know what that means, right? You're done. Grace is done. Okay, when he gives the seven woes to the Pharisees, you know what that means? You're done. Cursed are you. When Jesus Christ say cursed are you, um, he doesn't say with his fingers crossed. I was just kidding. Okay, when it gets to that point, there is a place where God's grace says that's enough. I don't know where that's at. I can't give you a biblical explanation. Well, if you take it up to just calling him Beelzebub, you should be all right. You know, I can't, I can't do that. All right? But what I try to get you to understand is, is that the time of salvation is now. Okay, now listen. All sinners can be called to repentance. Okay, but listen, know this. All are responsible if they refuse. All right? Listen, I, I, I get people and they say, well, you're telling me that God predestined some to hell. <sighs> no. You know what I'm telling you? God says they're all going to hell. And I'm going to save some. S see how we get that all messed up? That ain't the way it is. If you're born a man and woman, you're going to hell. And God saves some. Why? His pure mercy. His pure mercy. There's going to be people you're going to run into in heaven. You're going to say, I would have never dreamed. <laughs> and they're going to look you right in the eye and says, me either. Christ's atonement, his work of atonement is unlimited, but it is limited for those who are in him, those who die in him. Uh, it, 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 listen, I, here's how I kind of look at it. The work of the cross makes possible 
salvation. Okay? Those who believe and repent and die in Him, now it is a real salvation. That, that, that's where I see a lot of people today have a said profession. They know their way around the Bible. They can tell you, I don't know, that the red heifer can't have more than three white hairs on it. Or it's considered defiled by God. And they've got all this information. But if you watch them, they don't put their faith in it because they have not died to self. Remember the greatest man born of woman? John the Baptist, why? I must decrease, he must increase. I mean, that is the key to it. I see people who take the name Christian and are no more, they are as self-centered as any lost person. How can that be? How can I die to Christ and be dead in Christ, be immersed in his burial, and all of a sudden I'm important? You can't do that. You can't do that. And that is an action that says, I'm not saved. Okay? And you may stumble into it a time or two, but if it is the pattern of your life that it's about you, guess what? You're not his. Well, Terry, you're just, I'm just telling you, this is what this book says. Now, if you don't like it, argue with the author. I didn't write it. Theologians calls his general salvation. Um, it's kind of like the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know what? Uh, it, it's like a woman, a godly woman in a house of unbelievers does what to that house? Sanctifies it. You know what that means? It sets apart. Now, please don't tangle that up with gets everybody saved. It just means that God's protection is going to be there because one of his saints is there. Okay, I have a saint there. Therefore, there's an importance that goes on there. Remember when Moses was standing at the burning bush? He says, take your shoes off. This place is holy because I'm here. Okay, if you're in dwell with the Holy Spirit, where's holy ground? Wherever you're standing. Why? Because I have been buried with Christ. To be raised to walk in the newness of life. Why? Because of the work he did, not because I found it. Remember, do you guys remember that thing that years ago, back in the, it would have been the late 70s, I guess it was. I found it, 1-800-something. Okay, that just got me. I was in Daytona. I wasn't saved. And I was spring breaking it. And they had a big billboard up and big dummy me called it. You want me to what? I don't think so. I'm in Daytona Beach. That's spring break. And you want me to come and talk to Jesus? Really? Tell him I'll be there in a week. Have some things to take care of. But I'll never forget it. I found it. You know what? I couldn't find it when it was standing there advertised on a billboard. Listen, I want you to understand something. The gospel invitation... Is to all humanity. Okay, uh, theologians call that divine goodness. All right, but yet everyone is held responsible if they reject. 
Okay, it's, it's like when I was studying the Gospel of Matthew, uh, I ran into that gnashing of teeth. And I always thought that meant that Dennis went to hell. Well, that's what I thought. I mean, what, what else makes you gnash your teeth? Dennis. Um, and, and so I thought, oh, that's kind of terrible. And then I went and looked it up and checked it out and all the rest of it. And what gnashing of teeth means? They're still defiant. Can you believe that? You stand before a holy God and you say, why didn't you save me? And I sit there and go, and, and they will spend eternity. Why didn't you save me? And you're like, yee. That's what gnashing of teeth. It got nothing to do with Dennis. But it's still an act of defiance after their condemnation. That's amazing to me. Because they're responsible and they will be in eternal judgment because of their unbelief. The all that Paul is speaking of here helps us to understand that there is an unlimited aspect of Christ's work on the cross, but there is a substitution. And now it's a limited aspect to those who died in Christ. He only substitutes for those who believe. Those who are in Christ, those who have died in Christ. In Romans uh, 3, 24 and 25. Let's pick up 23 because verse 23 says, For all, there's another all, I like all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, now if you look at it in the context of Romans, he's already dealt with those pagans who would worship idols. Now he's dealt with the Jews who think that they are God's chosen people and therefore I am saved. And he says, no, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, but look what he says here. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God publicly displayed. That's a propitiation. You know what that is? Substitution. A sub- substitution in his blood through faith. There was this was to demonstrate his righteousness. Why? Okay, righteousness means what I'm doing is absolutely right. And God says, I'm not going to have plea bargaining in my court. The only way you do not endure my wrath for eternity is you come through the blood of my offering. And you have to do it my way, not Frank Sinatra's. Okay, I I try to tell people there is an innumerable number of ways to Jesus Christ. One to God. One to God. All right, if we read this on. This demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God. He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just... Okay, God is just and the justifier. Okay, but here's the qualifier. 
He is the just justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Okay? He is not the justifier of the whole of humanity. He is the justifier of those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Who are those who died in Christ? They are those who have faith in Christ. We can say Christ died for, you ready? His own. You can't say that. I told you I'm loaded for bear today. His own. Who is his own? The church. He is the substitution for the church. He died only for those who died in him. Those whom he is the justifier. Those who put their faith in Christ. Who are of the faith. Okay, now faith is a little more than what we normally use. It's to believe, but it is to trust. Because whatever I believe in, I put my trust in, right? All right, I know Christians, or quote-unquote Christians, who have very solid biblical theology, but they do not put their trust in it. You can tell by their actions. To use the illustration this morning, taxes are due on uh, Tuesday. Okay, and uh, my taxes are extraordinarily complicated. Okay, and so uh, usually what happens with me is um, if I get a refund this year, the next year I give it back. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of a neat borrowing system that I have with my dear uncle in Washington. <laughs> Such a pleasant man. Um, and so last year I got a refund. Okay, so I was going through my finances. And I look, I've got some savings. So I know exactly how much I owe and I haven't even got my stuff back from my accountant because I have just enough to pay that debt, I bet you. Okay? Now, I can be stressed over that and think, you know, you guys are wasting my money and you're doing this and you're doing that. But you know what? I'm not stressed about it. Why? Because I don't put my trust in the government anyway. Okay? I put my trust in Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, I've tried the fishing thing and getting coins out of them. I just really haven't had no luck with that. But it doesn't mean I will quit. <laughs> Fish all wonder. I pull them out of the water and shake them. What are you doing? See, there are coins in it. <laughs> okay, listen. You have to understand that um, he can only be the substitution, the atonement for those who believe. Listen, anything else, you have a major problem. Okay? You're telling me that Christ is a substitute for the whole world? No, it's impossible. If you're telling me that, then why does he tell me about hell and wrath? You know what? Out of all the writers and speakers of the Bible, Jesus taught more on hell than any, any single teacher. Okay, I find that fascinating because he's trying to at least scare you into heaven. And yet I watch people and they think, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I walked in awe. I used to carry a Bible. You know, I used to attend Sunday school classes when I was a kid. Well, have you been in church? No, not been in church. Eh, it's full of hypocrites. No, the planet's full of hypocrites. 
Okay? It just happens to be some godly hypocrites in the church. Okay, now, if you don't think it isn't narrow, I'm going to have to give you one more. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is the one that everybody likes, especially if they're per- preparing for marriage and they have never been married. They have that little goo-goo eye thing. And, Ooh, this is going to be great. Okay, but <clears throat> it says, husbands, love your wives. Okay, just as Christ also loved, which he gave himself for. I thought he did the world. He just got narrow again, didn't he? He gave himself for who? For the church. Are you telling me that atonement is just for the elect? No, I'm telling you that atonement is just for the church. Okay? Because it doesn't say elect there. It says the church. Okay? It just got narrow. He is the substitution for the church. I'm not done. We're going bear hunting. John's Gospel, chapter 10. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for what? The sheep. Okay. Compares the contrast it there to the hired hand is not a shepherd, nor is the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Hmm. He flees because he's hired hand. Is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Verse 15. Even as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. But I only lay my life down for the sheep who know me. Just got narrower. If you go to... The book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts 20, beginning in verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all of the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd what? The church of God. So the flock is who? The church. So he gave himself for the church. Are you trying to say that he died for the elect? No, the church. The flock. Okay? It doesn't say the world. And yet the work is sufficient for the world, but only those who will believe and repent. So, if you look at it, I can say the atoning work of Jesus Christ has an unlimited view. Okay? What I mean by that is that every man can hear. Okay? But every man is required to respond. There is no neutral. Okay? No response is a response. Do you understand that? 
When he satisfies the justice of God, which is the atoning work of the cross, it applies to those who died in him. Those he is the justifier are those who put their faith in him. Listen, he does not justify those who don't believe. Okay, and I hate to break the news to you. Your life tells everybody what you believe in. Very simple to see. I mean, you can speak biblically, but what you put your trust in speaks extraordinarily loud. It is narrow. God's justice is for those who believe. Okay, now then, take it backwards. Those who believe, he knew they were because he had chosen them before the foundations of the world. You know what that means, right? Before there was an existence, he chose those who would be his. Now, I get people and they come up to me and they say, well, what you're teaching, it's, it, it's, it's a paradox. And I said, is it? Go to Romans 5. And that whole context of five, I'll just drop drop in real quick in verse 19. Verse 19 says, For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinner, even so through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Okay, what he's basically saying here is that the sin of Adam has been passed down to anybody born of Adam. Okay, but... By the obedience of Jesus Christ on the cross, atonement is for those who will be in Christ. As it entered into humanity through one man, there is an entrance out into righteousness through one man, Jesus Christ. Okay? The death of Christ is actually the death of those people who believe in him because it is no longer them who live, but Christ who lives in them. Okay? Whoever is in Adam is made a sinner. You, you don't, you're not born morally neutral and then at some point in time commit a sin and now are a sinner. That was given up by Adam. Okay? If you're born of Adam... You're a sinner already. Have you ever seen an infant? Have you ever seen anything more self-centered? You know, feed me, change me, let me sleep, feed me, change me, let me sleep, feed me. And you know what? If you don't, I will make your life miserable. They will. I'll get up every two hours. He's talking about babies that way. I've had them. I'm allowed to talk about them. I've experienced it. Okay? 
And it just thrilled me to death. I remember I brought Joshua home. He slept all the way through the first night. And I was like, this ain't so bad. Till night two. And then all my kids were colicky. And they had to sleep on my chest. And that's the only way they could sleep. Now, you got the baby laying on your chest. You don't sleep real well. So you lay there like this with your eyes wide open every night for six months. And people say, well, kids. I said, I don't care what you tell me about kids. They're evil. You know, they say, well, you want to go see your grand? No, I know what children are, even grandchildren. They're all the same. Listen, whoever's in Adam is a sinner, but whoever's in Christ is only as righteous as Christ is. Okay, and it all came about and it was the unfolding of God's plan in God's time is God's purpose. That's what you have to understand. The Apostle Paul was so rock and rolling about was for his Savior love was so amazing that his death for all and his love for Paul was so great that Paul was now one of the all who had died in Christ. When I see people who are self-centered, I either think they have stumbled or they're not saved. If I see a pattern of self-centeredness in that person over a long time, then I can easily say they're not saved. And it's easy to spot. Why? Because humanity does it. It is so odd to see someone who's not self-centered. It stands out like a sore thumb. It's like, wow, that's amazing. I think that's one of the amazing things about Tim Tebow. He's not self-centered. And everybody keeps saying, why isn't he? Can we make him? I mean, it drives him batty. I think it's hilarious. Right? And it is so odd that it's like, can you believe this? And it's even that way in the church. To see selfless people in the body of Christ, it's sort of like, whoa, what happened? And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get at here. He says, I'm going to defend my integrity because of my Savior's love for me was so massive that he died for all, and those who died in him are part of that all, and he made me one of those because of his love for me. Brothers and sisters, I don't care what you're going through. You get a hold of that, you throw the world at me. I could care less. I could care less. What do you do? Call me names? Oh, kill me? Hallelujah. See what I'm trying to get at? And listen, I'm not telling you there ain't problems in this world. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But I'm sitting there saying, are you missing the all part? Because his atoning work was for all. But his substitution is for the all who repent and believe. And those people stand out because they are now dead themselves and alive in Christ. I like it. I like it. Therefore, let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise. Thank you for this text and Father, the encouragement that I even got out of it just over the last few weeks. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would. But Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here this day who has not died to themselves, that today would be that day that they would surrender it and say, here I am, Lord. 
save me. Father, may the love of your son for each of us overwhelm us that we would eagerly, joyfully, anxiously be buried with him by baptism into his death so that we with the glory of God shining walk in the newness of our lives. Thank you, Father. Praise you in Christ's name. Amen.